Tweet at SFM Radio and at John Gerica. Okay, what's it like to be a gay man, woman, or, or let's, let's be more general. What's it like to be LGBTQIA or plus on the African continent in 2023? What is it like to live every single day the threat of going to jail and sometimes the threat of your life because you could very well be put to death because of what you do in your private bedroom? That's what we're going to be talking about for the first hour. And it comes from uh, this Uganda not allowing or the the anti-homosexuality bill in Uganda. The EFF today, I'm sure you saw, uh, ran a protest to the Ugandan embassy in Pretoria. Why they picked Uganda in particular confuses me a little bit, but that's story for another day. Uh, But anti-homosexuality. Let's understand what that means, first of all, right? What is homosexuality let's let's understand what it's like to live on this continent today with anti-homosexuality type that into google laws and we see what what the everyday lived experience uh there's not almost half of african countries have some sort of anti-homosexual law let's talk first of all to the director general for the uganda key populations consortium richard lusimbo joins us richard thank you very much for joining us Uh, out in uganda a sad day for human rights in that country uh good evening john and thanks for having me uh we really find ourselves uh in a very peculiar uh, situation and as members of the lgbtq community uh where persecution uh is being sanctioned by the state uh, through legislations that uh, go after who we are and even our own identity which has really become so worrying and concerning uh which has also really pushed people uh, in the corner, uh, people live a scary life as uh, they are scared to be thrown out of their homes because it's happening. Uh, people are being um, arrested uh, because of who they are. And this is the true um, nature of what it means to criminalize a, a part of your community. Uh, just so we understand just how draconian this law is. If somebody is suspected of being a homosexual or any of the the letters, LGBTQIA, and I'm going to use homosexual uh, for all of those, if you don't mind. I, I know that it's wrong, but it's just easier for me to say it. If you are suspected of being of those letters and you're, somebody can report you, first of all, and if that person doesn't report you, even they could face punishment. Absolutely. Um I, this uh, suggested law that the president is here to sign, uh, if he signs, uh, will make it criminal uh, if you do not report someone who is suspected to be LGBT. And uh, also if, and this would mean you're a landlord and you don't report them, uh, if you're a doctor, if you're a teacher, mm. this would also mean even a family, like if your family members don't report you, uh, they will be criminalized, and this is the kind of law that is being suggested. And what that does is turning community against each other. And mm-hmm. if if there is nothing about really being targeting and really trying to erase a particular part of your society, what would this mean? 
I want to introduce uh, uh, our second guest at the same time. We're talking to an anonymous queer man who lives in Nigeria, storyteller, filmmaker of Nigerian heritage based in Lagos, uh, involved in public relations and crisis communications, but transitioned to filmmaking, trying to tell a story, wearing several hats in the creative space in front and behind the camera. Anonymous, uh, I'm going to call you Tom, if you don't mind. Um, Tell us, Tom, what is it like being... A, a gay person in Nigeria at the moment. Hi, John. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, it's, I, I think right now the tensions are very, very high. And there's this false bravery that I have noticed from my environment and from the community in general, mm-hmm. where, you know, whatever happens on the continent, um, we start to feel that every queer person, as long as you're on the continent, you start to feel the impact and how whatever is happening in Uganda right now could trickle down to Nigeria and other parts, you know, of Africa and how that could really impact, um, you know, queer people. So right now, everyone is just trying to stay above the fray. And uh, I think there's something in Nigerians where there is adaptability for whatever situation you find yourself in. So that is happening, but we still see the fact that people are fighting back on social media. There's a lot of anger, and right now it's just it's just a tense um, atmosphere for, for conversations involving LGBTQIA persons. Are there protests happening? We had protests in South Africa. Are there protests happening in Nigeria? Well, um, I think what is happening in Nigeria right now is people are um, coming together in small groups and different communities. Um, For example, I recently found out that this past weekend, um, a group of um, trans women came together to kind of like, you know, just for solidarity and for support to check in and to see how everybody's holding on with the present news. Because, you know, um, once there's a conversation about... um, anti-homosexuality or homophobia on the continent, you know, um, we start to realize that uh, people who, who want to find a reason to aid would just pick that and just start up the conversations again. So um, so right now, I, I, I think it's really sensitive. <laughs> All right. Uh, Richard Lusimbo is the Director General of Uganda Key Populations Consortium, and we're talking to an anonymous uh, queer man from Nigeria. I'm calling him Tom. Uh, We're going to get more views on this. We'd like to get your views as well. Richard and Tom, I'm going to ask you a simple question in a second. We've got to take a break. My question I'm going to ask you is, why do you think it is, and when 34 African countries have some sort of uh, homosexuality being outlawed. Why is it, do you think, Africa dislikes LGBTQIA people so much? Why do they hate them? That's my question to you in a minute. You are listening to Night Talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. You are listening to John Gerica on SFM. Yeah, I said that just before the ad. Why does Africa hate gay people? And Richard Lusimbo, as I said that, a message comes through. And I'm going to read this as it says, because they put their name on here as well. It says here, as an Africans as whole, no one is supporting that nonsense of gays and lesbians, unless Satanists and presidents who get paid for it by Western countries. Finish. Four exclamation marks. 
Gabriel from Hart Bay. What do you have to say, Richard, to Gabriel when he says something like that? <laughs> um, Gabriel, uh, I must say, uh, your brothers and sisters, well, LGBTQ+, plus, uh, are not nonsense. And it's not... But I think what's nonsense is this colonial legacy that was left behind by the colonizers on the African continent that left all these laws that are criminalizing the LGBTQ plus people. And it's the same in most of uh, the African countries. In Uganda, it's the British law left in the 1950s in the penal code. And we've seen that uh, being expanded into what we're talking about as the anti-homosexuality law. And also, we must acknowledge that we are dealing here with uh, culture wars uh, where we are seeing evangelicals, especially from uh, America and other European countries, uh, who have lost their culture war because it's been very progressive in their countries and they have found Africa uh, and Uganda in particular as a fertile ground for them to uh, propagate their hatred. And uh, this is happening across many parts of Africa. If you look at the text of these different laws that have been uh, tabled uh, in Uganda, uh, in Ghana, and also what is being suggested in uh, Kenya, the text reads the same. It's like it's written from the same piece of, uh, uh, of paper. And um, really, homophobia is what is... Um, an African and LGBTI people are Africans. And I think until we realize that we are dealing with cultural wars and uh, people from the Western world trying to really um, put these aspects of homosexuality being an African, yet that the ones who actually criminalize homosexuality and we are seeing countries across the West uh, decriminalizing says a lot uh, when we start talking and saying, uh, being uh, someone being LGBT or identifies an LGBT person is an African. I think it's time to have a very honest conversation about our true identity and what is really at play, which I really want to call neocolonialism in the name of uh, uh, speaking about our culture. I think our culture, we know what it is and nobody should be telling us and hatred is not part of our culture as Africans. Uh, Anonymous Tom in Nigeria, uh, President Museveni saying, Uganda will not embrace homosexuality and the West should stop seeking to expose its views. Let me go back to the original question I was going to ask you. Why is it, do you think, and I'm looking at the history and we'll talk about that that Richard brought up now. Why do you think it is that Africans hate LGBTQIA plus people? Uh, I'd have to agree with Richard. Our our culture, our identity, I think right now it's heavily um, glaring that it it is distorted. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, let let me just extend it, generalize it now. We're not, uh, we don't understand our, our history that much. We do not know how far back, you know, our history goes and just how much and how queer African history is. For example, in Nigeria at the, at, at the, at the moment, someone just released a documentary talking about a specific part in Nigeria where women marry wives. And, you know, for people to find out about this information, it's just like we're, we're, we're keep, keeping people from understanding that, you know, queer people are humans too. Um, we deserve to live and breathe and, you know, do the same things that other humans do. Like, it's it, it, it's complex because 
I feel like it is learned. It's what we've learned from um, from religious institutions. It's, it's just completely distorted right now. And what we see a lot of young people like myself are we're currently fighting against that. And I think there's only so much education that can be done, but we need to actually look at ourselves and look at how colonization has impacted us and mm. has actually impacted our image and our identity as well and how we articulate, you know, just our way of life. Yeah, when you look at the history, and I was amazed at the history of, uh, and, and Wikipedia, simple Wikipedia, has a whole section on the history of male homosexuality in Africa. Um, North Africa in particular, East Africa, Ethiopia and Uganda have a whole section. Religious, uh, There were religious roles for cross-dressing men or homosexual priests. Uh, they were amongst the Bonyoro people and Buganda, which is now part of Uganda, institutionalized certain forms of same-sex religion. Young men served in royal courts, provide sexual services for visitors and elites. It was part of that culture. So you're saying, Richard, and I think uh, Anonymous brought it up as well, This, how, how important is Christianity and, and colonialism in this thinking? Um, you know, we, we've been... Religion has really played a central role in terms of what uh, is now what we're calling African culture at present. You find people speaking and talking about religion, uh, although Christianity or Islam is African. These are all foreign um, faith or ways of worship. But unfortunately, now that they've been embraced, uh, they through that we are having the conservatives taking over and trying to dictate what uh, is moral and what's immoral and that's why we find ourselves and given the fact that uh, now there is no distinction between the constitution and religion uh, you find that what is preached in church becomes law or is almost almost being translated into uh, law and this is why you find that we're having this kind of uh, confusion and also redefining uh, who uh, individuals are and what is being determined as a standard and I think this is something that uh, we really need to really speak out strongly uh, because what religion has done beyond even are pushing for slavery and discrimination across the continent, including discrimination of women, uh, I think this is the time for us to really have a, an honest conversation at the, uh, what the role the religion in terms of uh, creating isolation and discrimination of our society, and especially those who are minorities. And I think this is where we find ourselves right now as Africa. Um, Anonymous in Nigeria, I'm going to call you Tom again. Um, conspiracy theories are all over the place, and I'm reading one about in Kenya. An archbishop has speculated that the alleged spread of homosexuality was a sinister ploy by environmentalists to depopulate the globe in an effort to address climate change. When you've got an archbishop saying something like that, how do you convince average Joe Bloggs that what you're saying is right and an archbishop is not right? It's hilarious at first, and um, <laughs> at some point, I think you're going to ask, have to ask yourself, like, what in the cognitive dissonance is going on? Because it's something that, you know, I think 
when it comes to um, to religion, I, I think we we just try to like ignore certain parts of our brain and just you know take a, a spiritualist word for what it is, or you know just put put uh, people in religious institutions on certain pedestals that we just follow what they say. But the fact is, it 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 it. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's laughable mm. um, because the facts are everywhere. The science is there, and it, it's just whatever narrative you can come up with, whatever spin you come up with. Here's what I keep telling people: queer children are going to keep getting born every day. So what are, what what is going to be the solution to that? Are you going to tell God not to create more queer children? So it's it, it, it's more complex, and we have to understand that. Uh, sexuality and religion are two separate things like for example i grew up from a at in a time where queer people did not want to identify with faith like as myself i grew up in church and i ended up struggling but now growing up i see the same quick um young queer gen z activists you know advocating for for human rights at the same time believing in the fact that you know their faith is important to them and they are connected to the, to the God or to the source or whatever higher power they believe in. So if you can find people who are going through it, who are considered minorities, who are going through AIDS, ridicule, and they're still saying that, oh, okay, a fraction of them, for example, are still saying that they want to be connected to their faith. I think at this point, religious institutions have lost the fight because now the AIDS is just is glaring from their part. So it, I, I think now everyone is just saying whatever they want because it, it will, if we want to look at it, yes, we're also focusing on Africa, but we have to look at the agendas around the world when it comes to when it comes to anti-homosexuality, and it's being backed mostly by religious institutions. Uh, Richard Lusimbo, let me bring you in again. Uh, one of the arguments is uh, for this bill is the protecting of the family, protection of the family, protection family unit, uh, protection of children. Uh, it, it sounds legitimate. What, what would be wrong with that? But, you know, thanks, John. Uh, you know, everyone wants to protect children. Uh, everyone wants to ensure that children's welfare is okay. But unfortunately, this bill has got nothing to do with children. Uh, everything is filled with uh, criminalizing consenting adults. Um, and that's where I get uh, the, the challenge to really understand what they mean when they talk about protection of children uh, with this bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom, do you want to jump in here as well? What, what do you think about the protection of children? Um, the, the, yeah, I can think of a number of conflicts, but I want to get your views. It's, it's concerned about the child sexual assault. I mean, uh, sexual assault has to do with uh, the person being a pervert, the person having their own issues. It's got nothing to do with queerness. And if you look at it, you find that most cases of sexual assault, uh, you know, it just has to do with the person is a pedophile or you find that it's coming from someone who is heterosexual. So to make mm -hmm. it that to associate um, sexual assault with queerness, um, it's, it's trying to, you know, throw a wrong ball again at the end of the day. So, so Richard, um, Richard is right. You're just, you're just looking for another way to just, 
push the aid because at the end of the day, the children you're also trying to protect. Um, when you look at it, when you look at their interactions, when you look at how they respond to their environment, they do not learn about homophobia until when they start to see you exhibit your aid. So it becomes a learned behavior. So at the end of the day, um, children need to be protected across all board, but you cannot stream, um, streamline it down to protect them from queer people. Uh, Richard, there's, there's a quote that the LGBTQI people do not want your straight children, or they want your children, start that again, LGBTIQ people do want to change straight kids to gay and having all the genders and having cross genders and, and, and wanting to make more gay children. Is that, like in a, do you guys have an agenda that you put together? <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with Tom what he said, and John, uh, pardon me for laughing, but, you know, this is, you know, when you, such sentiments and quotations are made, it, it looks like, you know, LGBT community is in one point of the country, set up a factory and they manufacture all these, yeah. you know, all these electronics that change children mm. and really targeting. But I, I must say that this is what the anti-LGBT people are all about, is taking us away from the main issues. Because right now, they know very well that if you introduce children in any conversation, the nation is going to listen. Because we all love children, and everybody does everything they can to protect children. But the truth of the matter, the, all the reports of Uganda police annually have indicated the defilement and abuse of children by heterosexuals is one of the highest. But why aren't we having laws criminalizing heterosexuals, men abusing underage girls? Mm. Why aren't we having that conversation? But they don't want to have that conversation because they have an agenda. We don't have an agenda. The anti-LGBT people have an agenda, which is to criminalize people. We just had COVID. We had over a thousand plus girls getting getting pregnant that, and, and, and those young girls have even lost a chance to be in school because now they're mothers teenage mothers why aren't we having an uproar in parliament to really look at who actually pregnanted these girls and if you really followed you could find that this was even family members why aren't we talking about that it's because the anti-LGBT people have an agenda and they just want to put children. But the whole confusion is they know that within this, people are going to get into arms to divert us from the hatred that they're trying to propagate. Richard, will this law be signed by the Ugandan president? Um, all indications, yes, uh, we, we've been here before in 2014. Uh, but my call directly to the president would be he should not sign this law because 
part of his population is going to be criminalized and the impact and effects are already being felt. And I think as a president, he should be responsible for all lives of all Ugandans. And then the final question to you, uh, Tom, from Nigeria. As as a, a queer man, what sort of effects will this have? Will it, Im- it, will it embolden the, the, the anti-homosexuality view in Africa? I think it's uh, what is done so far, it's only amplified that agenda. If you see what is going on in Ghana right now, um, even with Nigerians, um, political uh, electoral um, period, there were a lot of conversations around, you know, sexuality and queer people. So right now, like I said, what happens in one African country when it comes to queer rights? is going to trickle down to other parts of African country. And that is a, it's a scary um, situation to be in, or a scary condition to be in right now, because we don't know um, how that is going to impact the deal in Ghana. We do not know how you know, that is going to impact the ongoing talks with, you know, there's some sections in, um, in the, the, the SSNPA that have been repealed that were quietly, you know, Swept under wraps because the Watson project um, that that has to do with what they called uh, queer rights before SSNPA, and we, we did come across some findings in our legal um, in our legal research that there were some parts of the law that was repealed and it was kept under wraps because you know they were trying to bring up certain views again to fight it. So it's like whatever um, queer activists are doing to just, you know, create some sort of stability and equilibrium um, for queer people is like, you know, anti-homosexuality views keep springing up from different parts of of Africa and it it affects queer people all, all on the continent. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, Thank you very much. Anonymous queer man from Nigeria, storyteller, filmmaker of Nigerian heritage based in Lagos. Also to Richard Lusimbo, Director General for the Uganda Key Populations Consortium. If you want to find out what they do, you can go to their website. Uh, uh, UgandaKPC.org is their website for uh, Key Populations Consortium. UKPC, uh, Uganda. Say that website again, www.ugandakpc.org. By the way, there are travel advisories encouraging gay and lesbian travelers to use discretion whilst on the continent to ensure personal safety, including by, uh, by avoiding public displays of affection. In other words, you can't hold hands with the person you love. It applies to both homosexual and heterosexual couples. South Africa is considered to be the most gay-friendly African country in respect to the legal status of LGBTQ rights. Cape Verde also frequently regarded as being socially accepting of LGBT rights. Then I see some of the messages that come through and I hang my head in shame. What do you think? Let us know. This is Night Talk, and you can get involved and have a talk as well. You can give us a call, 086-000-2032. Joey's waiting for your call now, 086-000-2032. You can also WhatsApp, 0614-104-107. You can send a voice note. You can send us some texts as well. I'm John Herricke. We're going to talk Donald Trump in a moment.